Welcome to Question Your Garden, an introspective podcast intended for self-exploration and personal development. I'm your host, Alicia, and I'm the crazy human who thought chatting about my own mental health journey might be helpful for you. I do hope you'll stick around. Now, it needs to be said, this podcast is not a substitute for mental health treatment or diagnoses. You should always consult with your doctor or therapist before making any changes to your treatment. Remember, I'm just a person on the internet talking about my own personal experiences and am in no way qualified to make life-changing decisions for you. I want to chat about life in the middle today. And no, not politically. I think we've all had enough of that shit lately. Anyhow. Have you ever taken one of those surveys that ask you to rate your approval level of a statement on a scale of like 1 to 5? Um, 1 being strongly disagree and 5 being strongly agree? Do you find yourself hitting 1s and 5s mostly? Or have you typically been a, a 3s kind of person? I'm a 3s kind of person and it bugs the shit out of me. Now, for a long time, I didn't really care. Part of me assumed that ju- that it just meant I was a more likable person since I was fairly neutral on things. I could theoretically get along with everyone. But do I need to? I mean, remaining neutral does make it easier to be liked and accepted by other people, but... Is it not also a way for us to allow people into our lives that aren't good for us in the long term? And I'm not talking, you know, just romantic relationships, but friendships too. For me, I've been guilty about allowing people in my life that do more taking than anything. You know the kind. They only want to talk about their problems and tend to blow yours off. Maybe being so neutral is just inviting too large of a crowd to interact with us. Are we making good connections while remaining neutral? Where do the real connections with other people come from? Don't get me wrong, I know many people find great value in a large number of connections, but I tend to feel that the quality of them are more important. Contrasting opinions and ideas can help to narrow down the crowd of people and bring you closer to more meaningful connections with others. I think it's been hard to see, for me, how being neutral in conversations, or my opinions, hasn't really been helping me to make any new friends or build stronger bonds with people. I've just defaulted to neutrality and haven't questioned it much. The thing is... If we're standing in that position of neutrality, will another person see anything that encourages them to learn more, to show interest, to build and grow a connection? Can neutrality be an interesting position? Making those first connections with people are important, of course, but so is surrounding ourselves with people who get and respect us, value whatever opinions we may have even if they're different. Anyway, 
I also feel, to some extent, that being a threes kind of person means that I'm less likely to experience the highs and lows of life that are generally um, an integral part of being a human and living life. For instance, I've made the decision to start yoga and meditation at home. I was talking with a friend after my first go at it, and she asked me if I'd felt a difference. While I wouldn't jump to saying, no, not really, I, I couldn't also provide a, yeah, I think so. It's always, maybe? The question mark is important there. It's like I'm living in a constant state of, I don't know. I need to spend a lot of time information gathering before I'll move into a strong position, either for or against something. Am I a threes kind of person because it's harder for me to access my emotions? Does this go back to that place where I was a child, requesting my parents refer to me as a child, not a kid, and not having enough information to explain the distinction, causing me to feel stupid and frustrated? Maybe it's because I don't want to feel strongly about something, only, only to be harshly schooled later on on why I should feel differently. Maybe I've been accused of not knowing what I'm talking about, so I wait until I do know more before I choose a side. So I don't look stupid. So I won't be judged. Living in the mental middle also coincides with indecisiveness and the inability to accept compliments, for me anyway. Where do you want to eat? Oh, I don't know. I don't really want a burger, though, and not Mickey so whatever. How are you doing? Oh, I'm present and accounted for. Oh, you got your hair cut. I like it. Oh, thanks. It's hair. How did that make you feel? Uh, uh, I don't know. I was supposed to be paying attention to feelings. What do you do for fun? Um, uh, well, nothing really. I have chickens. I don't really have time for anything else. How was your class? Uh, it was class. We learned things. I need to work on these things more, but it was a class. It all feels dull and neutral to me. Dull and neutral makes it hard for people to connect. Why? Why do I do this? And yes, these are things I say. When I was trying to work on learning my values and how to set personal boundaries, which I can't say I've accomplished a whole lot there, if I'm being honest. Many of the questionnaires out there ask that you go back to a time in your life where you were your happiest. I guess so you can get a feel for what that feeling actually feels like, so you can get a better idea on whether something in your life is actually working for you or not. You know what I came up with? The times my mom took me to horse shows as a, a child, and we walked around looking at the horses tied to the trailers. 
Some I would go up to and pet and just take in their glorious earthy aroma. Now, as an adult, I am slightly mortified that my mom let me do that. Mainly because those horses weren't there for kids to randomly go up to and pet. But it did make my shy little heart happy. There was even one time that someone else actually let me ride their horse and it freaking made my day. But, what in the hell does that have to do with values? All it really tells me is that animals make me happier than people. I can connect happiness with horses easily. Happiness with people? Mm, mm, Nah, jury's still out. But what else makes me happy? Do I ever feel happy and just subdue it because I can't allow myself to be too happy? Sometimes I feel like that's the case. Like, I'm just not allowed to be too happy because something or someone is going to come along and crush that happiness. They're going to see that I'm happy and find a way to destroy it or steal it away. So, if I only show a little bit of happiness, then... I won't be at risk of someone else's desire to take it away from me. Or, if they do still try to take it away from me, it wasn't a a big happiness, so it's not as big of a deal if they do it. What a fucking ridiculous pill to swallow. Oh, 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 what if, instead, it's that when something finally changes my mood, it'll be seen. Like, if I'm visibly happy, and then I go to visibly sad, that that I will suddenly be seen because now I'm not happy. And then here come the barrage of questions. Why aren't you happy? What's wrong? Is it something I did? Is there something I can do to help? I do realize how absurd some of this sounds, but... Sometimes that's what you have to do to really tear down auto-responses to see things for what they really are. Broken mechanisms. Being neutral all the time is a broken mechanism for me. It's a safety net meant to keep me small, unnoticed, and by proxy, safe. But I'm not living. There are so few things I get excited about. Like, really excited about. And they're so infrequent in my life, it's not often I get to experience the feelings. And it's something I've done to myself to avoid being seen. My instinct to go unnoticed to protect myself is keeping me from living. From feeling what being alive really is all about. Guys, that's fucking terrible to realize. In the back of my head... Hell, maybe even in the front. I know that the human experience is supposed to have its ups and downs. You can't really enjoy the full breadth of the ups without experiencing the brevity of the downs. The highs and lows are meant to balance, in a way. But man, is this how it feels like for you other threes? Just walking the tightrope of maintaining middle ground? I never liked the balance beams as a kid. I sure as hell loved the swings, though. That push off the ground to get the swing started, 
moving the body forward and the legs behind your center to push backwards. Moving the body backward and legs in front of center to push forward. Back and forth. Increasing the height of the swing. The air pushing across the skin on the face. Either pushing or pulling hair. And then, in some situations... The sheer exhilaration from launching off of the swing in midair. Limbs and ground be damned. I think my garden needs a swing. Yeah. Yeah, my garden does need a swing. Anywho, thanks for listening, guys. Your support means a lot to me, even if it's just a simple share on social media or to a friend or family member who you feel might enjoy the podcast, too. Also, I can't forget to give a shout-out to both Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and Scott Buckley at scottbuckley.com.au for the music transitions they provided for use in the show. If you want to shoot me an email, it's questionyourgarden at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the show notes for any links or additional information from the episode. Until next time, keep weeding. Keep weeding.